It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there and welcome to the 1865 Match Report. We're recording on the evening of Sunday the 12th of November when Forest have just lost 3-2 away to West Ham. It was a bit of a roller coaster match. Um, Forest conceded a goal really, really early on to Lucas Pacata. Uh, then they managed to equalise just before half time and then took the lead midway through the second half, which lasted all of about a minute before they let West Ham equalise through Jared Bowen. And then, as you'll probably be aware, Thomas Socek got a very, very late winner. So it definitely feels like points dropped. Uh, In a second, I'll be joined by George to discuss the match. Um, But first of all, let's just run through the Forest team news. And essentially, it's as you were. So after an impressive victory against Villa last week, we had Odysseus in goal, a back four of Aina and Toffolo at fullback, with Niakate and Murillo in centre-half. In the midfield, we had... Aurel Mangala, who was holding alongside Ibrahim Sangare and Nico Dominguez. And then Taiwo Awanyu is supported by Morgan Gibbs-White on the right and Anthony Alanga on the left. Um, so, George, as I said, a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, you must feel gutted that you went all the way there and you didn't even see Forrest get a point. Yes, I know. It's progress that we've scored a couple of goals away from home because I know we've not done that since uh, the Chelsea game, wasn't it? But it does it does ultimately feel very disappointing. I think going into the game, May Forest fans would have taken a point um, out of this with probably exceeded expectations from... I sort of At this time of the season, I think many fans take it as blocks of four between the international break. So obviously from Luton, Liverpool, uh, Villa in this game, I think we'd have taken four points. So we already had that coming into the game. I think many of us would have taken a point. And I think really Forrest went there to take a point. It was a very even game. And in the end, I think it was, we'll, we'll come on to it, um, obviously, but it was self-inflicted, the fact that Forrest lost the game because they just couldn't manage the game, sat back and invited West Ham onto it. And when you've got someone like James Ward prowse whipping in balls that are always to the money, then you're going to concede goals like that. You know, you can defend set pieces all you want, but it's not every week you come up against James Ward prowse and, Forrest had to do much better by minimising the chances that he had to swing the ball and then ultimately that's what cost them. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's difficult to disagree with that. And, and going back to the earlier point you made, uh, when we recorded our Forest Ramble discussion pod, um, about well about four matches ago in fact uh, in the last international break i did ask everyone to come up with predictions for the amount of points that 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 you thought we'd get during the uh during the next block and um i think you predicted five points if i remember rightly um adam had predicted just three so we're somewhere in between that um it's but yeah, still, it, feel, it feels a little bit hard to take, um, bearing in mind we've had the Luton uh, match and today in there. Um, you mentioned about set pieces and James Ward-Prowse, and we'll definitely come on to that a little bit later on. But Forrest started as badly as you could wish, because again, you know, every single goal was utterly avoidable, avoidable and that was really... Um, illustrated by Nico Dominguez, who's been so impressive since he's been playing for us. And he just... I mean, it's only what I can only describe as a brain fart, wasn't he? It should have been a simple pass out to the right fullback, um, but he managed to hit it against Ibrahim Sangare's arse. And um, that set up the West Ham player who's got the best shot with a free shot at goal from 20 yards, didn't it? Yeah, and he took it clinically into the bottom corner and there's nothing the goalkeeper can do about that. But Dominguez, you know, it's, it's a naive pass, isn't it? He's, he's sort of half looking. I think he's just looking to offload it, in all honesty. Um, and Sangari, I mean, he's not even looking at, at it at all. And it was frustrating because as the game went on, it, it was such an even half. I mean, the first half was one of the most even first halves that you're going to see. Both teams with pretty much the same tactics, which was pack the midfield, make um, you know teams go out wide. And I think particularly West Ham, they had Bowen up front and they didn't utilise the wide areas, I thought, with Bowen up front. I think they could have done that. And in the end, I know Antonio came on quite late, but I thought they looked better with Bowen on the right. Um, but realistically, the only time that West Ham got through Forest midfield was via that mistake. Apart from that, in the first half, they stuck to the plan and kept them out. And ultimately, you know, considering that that early goal did take a huge swing in their favour. I think from that point, um, West Ham, they, they could sort of play a lot differently. They didn't have to maybe take as many risks as they might if they were trying to get the lead. And it, it left Forest a bit frustrated. So it took them, obviously, to score the goal till nearly half time. But really throughout the first half there was nothing to split them and you know I think it, it's not surprising that a goal came from a mistake because it looked like two very well drilled sides early on. Yeah and I mean it's difficult to disagree with that I mean also I would also say that maybe um, the period between 15 minutes and 45 probably didn't match the first 15 minutes of no. spectacle it seemed to be um, you know quite those first 15 minutes, there's quite a lot going on. And, and we should point out that after about, I think, 13 minutes, Forrest had probably their, ironic bang in mind, they actually scored later on, but they had their best, best chance of the half yeah. when some nice play down the left-hand side led to Toff putting in an absolute peach of a cross. Oh, I really love the way he wrapped his foot around it. Taiwo got his head to it and really got a lot, a lot of power. And it brought what I think is possibly the save of the season from uh, from Alfonso Ariola in the West Ham goal, clawing it when it looked like it was in all ends up, didn't it? It did, yeah. And it came from well, it actually came from the other side, from Gibbs White getting down the right, and that's where Forrest just had to get crosses in from the right because they couldn't get through the middle. Like I said, his cross missed everyone. Comes to Elanga and Forrest recycled it well. Excellent ball in from Toffolo, like you said, and a one you got up so high and from how far away you are in the away end. Um, I was in the upper tier. I wasn't as quite far back. I was only about five or six rows in, which I think was the perfect view. But it, it was in slow motion. Uh, you can't really see it. But I honestly thought that was in. It, I thought, it, And it was an immaculate save from Ariola. I think it almost nearly went past him and he had to claw it, like you say, back mm. into play. And then 
Forrest nearly got the rebound and couldn't couldn't get it. But yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Was... So the ball came to Sangaro, who tried to um, to flick it back to Awanyi, who was kind of. Yeah more or less in the same spot towards the edge of the six-yard box, but there are a lot of bodies in the box that didn't quite work out. And then, of course, to kind of once again cement that point about defensive mishaps, we let West Ham break on us um, just a minute or two later, and um, the ball was played through to Pakatar. And this time he just had a, a, a second of hesitation before he pulled the trigger, which enabled Murillo to get back, which meant that he was able to put Perkatar off enough that it was just a powder puff shot, which um, uh, Vlachodimos was able, it really, it was an easy save. You, know, you yeah, wouldn't even call it a save, would you? Just gathered it up. But it, it looked a bit hairy at that moment, didn't it? It did, yeah. And I think that's that was a situation that both teams were trying to avoid because I think coming into the game, I looked at the stats and Forest averaged 38% possession this season and West Ham averaged 40 So it's clear that both sides look far better on the break and I think clearly Forrest do and West Ham do as well. So I think both teams were trying to minimise that threat and there wasn't that many counter-attacks because both teams were set up to avoid that. So when that happened, it was lucky that Pakita had some some hesitation and Murillo obviously um, got the other side of him, put him off and a good save from Lakadimos, Lakadimos, however you uh, choose to say it. But... Apparently it's, it's, it's pronounced to, pro- to rhyme with Chakadimus, so Vlakodimus, Vlakadimus. Vla- oh, okay. Sorry, Vlacadimus. Anyway, um, we'll 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 call him Odysseus. Um, yeah. And um, and and of course that came at a little bit of cost to Murillo, who kind of lay down on the ground for a little while. He had a bit of treatment. It looked like his hammy had gone, but he kept playing for quite a long while after that. And we'll come back to that a little bit later on. Um, I was at home watching it with my wife, and and we were commenting that that first half was really it was really cat and mouse, wasn't it? Going back to that point you made about both teams almost preferred to play on the break and it made it a little yeah. bit more kind of tentative and and as a spectacle it was probably it looked like two teams who felt that they had something to lose rather than two teams who wanted to go out there and win it yeah I think what Forrest were missing actually and I've always thought this is Gibbs right on the wing I think they miss him in that central area so much and there was a few times where you know he did a few flicks and couldn't get hold of the ball but I think that's more out of frustration because you saw West Ham they, they had James Ward-Prowse in there who can just one touch, play it round the corner, and I think Forrest liked that because we've got three fantastic players in midfield, um, and we've talked about them enough. But what they are clearly more defensive, and they lack that sort of cutting edge, like and the edge of the box to make one pass to cut it through. And Gibbs White was sort of trying to drift inside and do that role, but obviously there's no one on the wing. And we've always had that, I think, under Cooper. We've always looked lopsided when we had Johnson. We never had a left winger, and now we've got Elanga. We've never got a right winger, so. I think ultimately the aim for Forrest will be to try and get Gibbs right in that middle because when he's got wingers either side of him, I remember there was a time he dropped him field edge of the box and he latches onto it and there was a, a gap on the right channel where Johnson would have been and it had been played in and probably clinically put it across into the bottom corner. But in the end, Gibbs had to run into that area because he was sort of having two players roll. So I think mm. that the stagnant, the stag, stagnatory, that is that not really a word, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Um, that Forest have going forward will be solved in the end by when Gibbs White is allowed to come inside. And I suppose Cooper's hand's been forced in that way with Hudson Odoi being injured. We've not got that. That's probably the one place where we're, we're short of depth. So yeah. Gibbs White is almost there. And he was in that position for the goal that we'll come on to. 
but in yeah, the end I really yeah. do hope that gives work can be moved back central and it will give us a lot more balance yeah and I think there's something that we'll probably talk about during the international break when we record our discussion podcast but um yeah let, let's just skip forwards to that because uh, you mentioned that actually the ball did that the goal did come from Gibbs White running down that right hand side channel and it came from Ibrahim Sangare now Cooper said quite a few weeks ago it's like you know we've signed him to play as a number six but while he's getting up to speed with the Premier League um, he wants to keep playing Mangala as the number six and then um, giving Sangare a chance to kind of get acclimatised. But the moment here was a classic number six uh, moment from Sangare yes. because he was on the halfway line. He robbed the ball off Kudos. And as all good number sixes do, he looked up and found a good opportunity to play the ball through. And Gibbs White was in that right, the, the Brennan Johnson channel, as he called it. Um <laughs> And I thought he'd just maybe taken it a step too far, but he got a decent shot in. Ariola parried it. And as all good number nines should be, uh, Taiwo was in the box on the spot. He'd managed to stay on side. And uh, hey, presto, it was one all. How did that feel for you? It was incredible. Um, it was just what, what Forrest deserved, I think, because even though they've probably not done so much to deserve to score a goal, they certainly didn't deserve to be behind. It was a very even game. And yeah, it was great celebration. I mean, everyone sort of almost paused because, you know, Taiwo does surprise you with his, you know, he just sort of stops, doesn't he? And yeah. and I, I wonder maybe if Gibbs White was offside. So it was a sort of half celebration, but no VAR check came, thankfully, for once. Um, and yeah, it was a goal Forrest really deserved. It would have been criminal, I think, for them to go um, in the break behind 1-0. And, you know, Gibbs White showed a bit of pace. He was forced wide, like you say, but it's a brilliant, brilliant work from Sangare as well, like you say. And it was... Like, like I said, for Forrest, the only time that Forrest got through the middle of West Ham and typical of that first half, it really doesn't surprise me that two very well-organised teams with a good plan, both goals have came from a mistake in midfield that the other side has pounced on. Um, and Tywo obviously making up for that header um, with the tap in. He had to reposition his feet quickly because it was sort of behind him. So he was able to wrap his foot around it and tap it in the net. But it was certainly a goal that Forrest deserved and goal that gave them some confidence going into the, the break and into the second half. Yeah, so it's it's one all at half time. Uh, just a bit of a footnote to that, which was that uh, Vladimir Sufal had been booked for you know it is a classic kind of professional foul, I suppose, on on Anthony Alanga. And uh, early on in the second half, we saw Alanga and Awanyi. Um, so there's a, there's a little spell early in the second half where every time that uh, Odysseus was gathering the ball, he was looking to play it forward quickly. And this was some lovely, never mind a one, two, it was a one, two, three, four, as Taiwo and Alanga were progressing up the left-hand side. And you could tell that Sufal was 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 scared because he'd already had that yellow card yeah. and he didn't really know um, how to deal with it. But then also Taiwo was pressing. So this one, two, three, four, Taiwo got through on the left-hand channel and then he put it just wide. From your point of view in the ground, were you thinking that, was going to be the goal? It was so agonising, that miss, because the one person you'd want it to come to, it, it was Tyro. And, and it actually, it was Forrest. They didn't really threaten that much on the counters, like in the first half. But in the second half, there was three or four times they got into that situation. And yeah, it's lovely. I think oh, when you got it first, didn't he? Then played it into Alanga, then played it back. And it was yeah. a lovely bit of play from the pair of them. Like you say, Kufal was clueless, didn't know what to do. I think he got their man at the match in the end, in the ground. I don't know who got it for Sky. But um that was a bit, you know, it flummoxed me a little bit. But yeah, Taiwo, I think he almost struggles when he's got too much time. You know, when he's got to put, do an instinctive finish, that's where he's at his best. And often it can come off his shin or off his shoulder or something. But 
when he's got too much time, I think that's where sometimes he's, you know, obviously he's, he's a complete striker. He makes our attacks. But that's the one thing I'd have um, against him. I think, remember that goal he scored at, at Old Trafford where he had about 50 yards to think about it. And I don't think he ever actually shot. I think he just walked in and then Onana, <laughs> like, didn't know what to do. And, and it was almost that situation. He had too much time. And in the end, from a position where I thought he had quite a lot of space and could have maybe taken another touch, he just snatched at it. And from my angle, it went very, very wide. Um, and it was about three minutes into the half, wasn't it? And yeah. a goal late on in the in the first half, a goal early in the second half. It would have given Forrest so much confidence. And it's a real shame because you'd have wanted a one year on the end of it. And he, he ought to have taken that in all honesty. Yeah, and you just wonder, you know, he's on his left foot or on his right and all that. And like you say, uh, there is that thing about he's he's such an instinctive player. That's that, yeah. that whole thing that we've said so many times about who he, he looks a bit clumsy, but he he gets stuff done. And, and that's something that I guess that's the bit that can't really be taught, isn't it? And, you know, yeah. you want to kind of and he's got better at, at it. But, yeah, you'd expect a striker in the box to be able to finish with either foot and, and yeah. do better than dragging it wide there. But no matter, because about 15 minutes later, Forrest did take the lead. And again, it was a really nice goal, wasn't it? Talk us through how you saw it. Yeah, well, it, it was a game that I actually felt that um, one goal might nick it because of of how how close it was. And it was on the counter-attack again. It was Sangare laid it to the right-hand side and Aina, who hadn't really got forward in the game, you know, I think Aurier is often played as that more advanced role, but Aina, which I think rightly so in the Premier League, is a lot more defensive and that's what he wants to fall back. But it was a rare occasion that he got down the right-hand side, did a couple of nice step-overs and got into the box on the right-hand side. And then you're wondering, can he find the ball? Because a few times we got into that position on the left and it was Ilanga sending the ball in and often it went into the keeper's arms or or was deflected wide or something. So. It was really good for Aina, sent it into a fabulous area and there was three candidates to get the ball. I think Awanyu was with his back to goal. He let it go. I'm sure Dominguez might have been in there as well. Someone else was in there, but it was Ilanga that came onto it with his right foot. Uh, back post about maybe 10 yards out and he just swept it lovely into the back where it came from, into the bottom left, bottom right corner. Uh, took his shirt off, took his the little bra thing that the footballers wear off uh, and sent the Forest fans into delirium. Yeah, it was... It was a brilliant moment. And like I say, in a game that was so tight, you thought, yeah, this might be the goal that nicks it. Let's try and sit behind this lead and, and get all three points. Obviously, it didn't turn out that way, but it was a fabulous moment and a really clinical finish finish from Elanga. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It didn't it didn't turn out that way because although it was a really lovely goal and yeah, fabulous work from uh, you know from the fullback in the attacking positions, you know, doing those little bits of skill, the perfect ball across into the into the kind of the danger zone, the corridor of uncertainty, and um, and yeah, nicely finished. But um, unfortunately, Alanga, having looked very uh, frankly fearsome, um, you know, he's, he's he's got quite the physique. Um, but then he ended up putting his shirt back on and and looking a bit silly because Forrest threw away the lead within basically within forty five seconds of the restart, and it was a needlessly conceded corner, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I can't remember actually what the corner was conceded for, but. It set the tone for the rest of the game, actually, because once Forrest conceded that, they seemed to just concede a set piece, a free kick, a corner every five minutes. And in the end, they're indefensible against Ward Prowse. What was the corner given for? Basically, yeah, it was, it was a ball on the left-hand side. And it was just kind of, it was one of those where some, someone goes in to kind of block it slash welly it. And, and rather than, you know, there's a lack of composure involved yeah. in that. And they always say that the most dangerous time 
um, is when you've just scored a goal. And that was proven yeah. not only with the goal that we conceded, but with the concession of the corner in the first place. Yeah. And um, another time that that would be controlled and cleared. And But at one, maybe if you just scored a goal, you think, oh, you know, we've just scored. We're just got the lead. We're not going to concede here. And yeah, in the end, exactly. you can't afford in, to think like that in that position. And there's 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 many sports psychologists who are paid a lot of money to kind of look into that kind of thing. But then, having said that, for the first goal, Pakatar is probably the player who's got the best kind of shot in the West Ham team. And then for this one, we give the best set piece taker in Premier League history a chance to put a free ball into the box, and then West Ham's best goal scorer a chance to be able to head it home. Um, and it just looked it looked messy, didn't it? Uh, <laughs> It, from where you were at and without the benefit of replays and the fact that it's a long way away but what were you thinking in terms of culpability were you blaming the goalkeeper were you blaming the defense were you just saying you know what it's a really good cross and and therefore sometimes we concede those how we, how were you feeling at the time uh, sort of the latter i think what prices deliveries are very hard to deliver to to defend and forest i think in the first half we only conceded one or two corners so we'd not really had that exposure but having just scored a goal and then suddenly we're back in our own box and defending. And I initially did think the keeper um, could have came to get it. I think he sort of ended up flapping in a no man's land. And, and his deliveries almost seem to go in the same area. They go very tight, very close to the goal mouth. And hmm. sometimes they don't hit, hit the near man, but often it's into that area. And I think Forrest probably got unlucky because Be Bowen's certainly not the tallest. And it was a great header, brilliant leap into the net. Um, but the ball, the ball just comes in so fast. I mean, I personally... It left his route and then it was in the net. I couldn't see. I, I didn't know who scored it only because Bowen was um, running away that I knew it was him. But yeah, it's, it's a fabulous ball in, and you can't commit. You can't criticize Forrest, I suppose, for conceding that because you don't come up against that every week, and even in training, um, you, you can't do that. But I think the big difference in the end was shown by when Forrest had a few corners towards the end of the game. Gibbs White could never find a man. He never put mm. a ball in that. Um, that Ward Prowse did to threaten them. And I think that has been a criticism that we've had of him since he's came in, you know, that he never really seems to to find a man. And there was a man behind me saying, oh, Forrest haven't scored a, a corner since um, uh, Spurs away last season, which I know they, scored, they did score against United, which I did point out to him that he didn't really appreciate. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was a stark difference between the two sides. So I suppose you can't, you can't really commend Forrest for the defending of the corner, but you, you can be crit critical of the way they conceded the corner and then the mm. way they kept conceding chances like that. I, I, I beg to differ slightly. I think that um, it's that thing about having that when you're defending corners in the modern game, you need to have a mix of man marking and 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 so kind of blocking and defending yeah. areas. And in that case, I mean, Marillo was the defender who was probably closest. And and like Bowen, he's one of those who's maybe not the tallest for someone playing in that position. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I can't, without kind of analysing it deeply, I cannot, um, you know, point any fingers. But I would say that you've got to be looking, even if you're the attacking team, you're going, that's a great delivery and a great header yeah. home. Um, as a defending team, I'm thinking it is a good delivery, but we know that he's got a good delivery. So firstly, don't concede the set piece. And then secondly, know that he is... Where he's coming to. Know yeah, you know that he will take the in-swinging corners, which will be very tight to the goal. And you also know that their best goal scorer is Jared Bowen, who's not actually that tall, so you should be able to yeah. do something about it. Yeah. So that's my, that's my take on it. Um, if we spin forward a little bit, um, 
so it was still, you know, in the pre-match preview I did with the We Are West Ham podcast, I said, my heart says that Forrest will win 2-1. So when Alanga scored and puts 2-1 up, my heart was skipping a beat. And then my head said it'll be 2-all. But after 2-all, and then when Forrest made the subs about seven or eight minutes later, it just became a little bit disjointed. Now, I'm just yeah. going to say it. There are a few people, obviously, especially after Luton, criticizing Cooper for the subs and Coops came out and owned it. He said, you know, I, I you know, I got that wrong and we got that wrong. Um, this time his hand was forced a little bit because Aurier was coming on for Ina, who wasn't clearly wasn't able to compete 90 minutes. Wood was coming on for Taiwo, who I reckon had played probably 10 minutes longer than they would have planned. Yeah. And then Murillo had gone down again and couldn't continue, which meant that we were replacing half of the back four in one go. That's never good for stability, is it, George? No. Um, and, and you say that the subs made a difference. I, I think actually as soon as we considered that goal, the mindset changed. I think it completely knocked the stuffing out of us. And we've been playing quite a high line for Forest throughout the whole of the game. And I was quite impressed by it because I thought, you know, maybe they've taken some heart after watching Villa against them. It wasn't that high, but it was a lot higher than what we've seen. And they weren't dropping off like they have for pretty much every single away performance. They were, they were looking quite good. But it's like the heads dropped. They slipped back into the old habits of dropping back. And I think, yeah, the changes were, were forced and Cooper probably had to make all three of them. But in a way, bringing Aurier on, who's probably more attacking than Ain, it was probably a, a nod from Cooper to try and get Forrest further up the pitch, back to playing how they'd they'd got themselves into the game because they deserved to take something out of the game up until that point. They'd looked very equal to West Ham. And, you know, I don't think that Forrest helped themselves at all. The way after the goal, they just completely sat back allowed West Ham to have a lot of the possession and didn't, from then on, try to play with any sort of Ben. And from there, it was sort of, let's try and hold on for the point. And in the end, it, it didn't end well. But uh, I think Forrest have got themselves to blame. I, I'm not. There's been quite a lot of um, spouting of individuals on social media and in group chats and stuff, which, yeah, there is individual errors in there. But I think it was a lot more of a collective thing of Forrest just sat back after that and invited West Ham onto them. And yes, the free kicks, you can blame who gave the free kicks away, who gave the corners away. But I think it was a general mindset that Forrest had of let's sit back, let's try and hold on to this, that in the end presented the opportunities for the, the free kicks to be given away because mm. that's always going to happen when you've got you know players like Pakita, Bowen slipping away from your men. So I think it was entirely self-inflicted and the goal just swung the game into West Ham's favour entirely. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's worth pointing out, actually, but before I know, you talked about individual errors, and I say it's not, oh, yeah. it's not what we that like to awful. do on this podcast to yeah. uh, the call out players, but before I know went off, he did commit probably the biggest individual error yeah. because he did a soft back header back, and, and Sochek got his foot to it, and it hit the bar, and uh, Odysseus was able to claim it. Um, it, was, it was a bit of a hairy moment, that, and then I say shortly afterwards, the subs came on, and uh, yeah, I agree, I kind of agree, the heads had gone down, and there was only really one team who were going to win it although there were the odd you know the odd moment where Forrest looked like they wanted to do something Danilo had come on at halftime for Dominguez and in my opinion I think Dominguez had never quite recovered from that no. moment two minutes in when he'd given yeah. the given the goal away um, but even with that kind of you'd hope that extra attacking impetus there was never really any kind of you know I'd mentioned about Soufal getting getting the uh, the yellow card and Kudus, who's playing on the right wing for West Ham, he'd also had a yellow card. So you'd have thought that with Toflo and Alanga going down that left-hand side, you thought they'd really try and exploit yeah. that. 
And they never quite did, to be perfectly honest. And just to skip to the end, okay, so the thing that we all know happened is that Forrest conceded another corner. And as we'll hear um, in a few minutes, um, Cooper thought that that was an unnecessary concession as well. And so we conceded a corner. It was from the other side. Ward Prowse took it. Socek had already had a chance from a corner, which had been flicked over by Odysseus. And this time, um, Socek made no mistake. Now, I said about Pakatar having the best shot and we gave him a free shot. Ward Prowse being the best set piece taker and we gave him the chance to take lots of set pieces. Bowen being the best goal scorer, we gave him a header in the box. Suchek is the tallest man on the entire pitch and is the best header of a ball on the pitch. And we gave him a free header, essentially. So another case of we've only got ourselves to blame, eh, George? Yeah, and like you say, Forrest had been warned multiple times about Suchek's threat. I mean, you can't miss him. You cannot miss him. And you've got to have your tallest player marking him. Yeah, Forrest tallest player at that point was probably Bolly. And they're, they're probably quite similar, but um, he finds him brilliantly. It's an excellent header into the corner. It's powerful. You, you can't fault the keeper for it. Um, hmm. And But it was coming. It was coming because Forrest, and I know I've kept saying it, and I'll keep saying it until I go to bed tonight, Forrest kept giving away those free kicks. They kept being naive and not clearing it, not getting high up the pitch. And... In the end, I don't think that corner was even... I mean, it was an excellent corner from Ward Prowse, but I don't think that was even one of his best. It was just into an area where, you know, um, Suchek got up ahead of anyone in red. It was sort of back post that had gone over everyone. And, yeah, I headed it in, and there's, what, two minutes to play plus stoppage time after that. Forrest, you knew Forrest would have to come forward, but you just hoped if they'd have started coming forward and playing more positively until that point, they wouldn't have been in that position. So... It's entirely self-inflicted, and it's just frustrating that we've came away from home. We've put a decent account of ourselves. We've scored two really good goals in the end. Um, we've had another few chances with Tywo the header and the shot that he had that he dragged wide. So it, it, it's and I think uh, Ariola made the best save of the game. By the way, um, mm. Odysseus was all right, and after actually after the goal, Forrest considered the second goal. You saw him came off his line a lot quicker from the corners, didn't he? And that yeah. maybe he felt he had a part to play in that goal being conceded. So, yeah, it's yeah, just... Maybe. A... But as as you said, I mean, that whole idea about Forrest kind of almost leaving it, sitting back for a little bit too long. Um, previously, there's been an accusation that's been tactical, um, but it's also not the first time we've said that about no. Forrest away from home this season. So um, even with uh, the seven or eight minutes of stoppage time, and you pointed out, you know, Ward Prowse put it in the danger zone. We did have a few opportunities to throw set pieces in there in the stoppage time. And as you mentioned earlier, didn't really have any effectiveness with that. So the game did end 3-2 to West Ham. And obviously, if you win a game late on, you're absolutely high as a kite. If you lose it late on, then you feel sick as a parrot. And um, in a few minutes, we will hear from a West Ham fan will also dissect the thoughts of Stevie Cooper. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
For the 23-24 season, 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast is sponsored by Green King Sports, where football is more than a game. The Green King Sports venues are shown every televised Forest fixture over the course of the season, including over the last couple of weeks. So instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, get your mates together and get down to your local Green King pub and get closer to the action after the international break. They've just launched their Instagram page, which will be home to fan content, deals and competitions. And you may have seen our very own George on there a few weeks ago. They've already given away uh, tickets to the Champions League final and signed shirts. So make sure you don't miss out. Drop them a follow on Instagram on Green King Sports. And you won't just be the first to know about all of this. You'll be supporting us here at 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Now it's back to your match report. The 1865 match report. Will Pugh here from the We Are West Ham podcast, just walking out of the London Stadium at the moment after West Ham's 3-2 win against your team, Nottingham Forest. All in all, quite honestly, I thought we deserved it. I thought you played quite well, but West Ham, I, I think, in the first half, scored the goal and as we do so often sat back on our haunches a little bit uh, and just let it all go a little bit relaxed and lackadaisical Uh, but second half it's annoying but it took not in a forest score in the second uh, to really kick our team into action and, and show the quality of players we've got and the type of football that we can actually play I think the winner was fairly deserved and I think it was coming I understand Forest fans are probably a little bit aggrieved, always disappointing to get a lead, particularly in the second half, and let it slip. Um, but yeah, all in all, uh, quite pleased. A much needed win for West Ham. Thought the atmosphere was quite good at the ground. Um, and yeah, just takes a little bit of pressure off David Moyes and caps off an excellent week. Two wins in two after our Europa League triumph against Olympiacos on Thursday but uh, yeah disappointment I'm sure for Forrest but solidifies West Ham's spot in uh, in ninth in the table which is sort of where hopefully we should be targeting this season but uh, yeah thoroughly in- enjoyed the game decent showing from the Forest fans I was impressed with the quality of, uh, of singing and songs and atmosphere from the away end so kudos on uh, that but yeah a well deserved win for West Ham 3-2 onwards and upwards Okay, thanks, Will. Um, now, George, you were just uh, shaking your head about the about the atmosphere from the West Ham fans. Um, we'll come to you um, to talk about uh, talk about that in a little while. And um, what I will point out is that um, uh, James from We Are West Ham uh, gave us a, a little audio snippet last year after we beat West Ham in our first home match back in the Premier League. And of course, if he wants to hear an atmosphere, then that was a good day that for was atmosphere, it. wasn't it? So. Um, but um, just very quickly, um, one of the things that Will did mention was about how um, both teams had this tendency to kind of sit back a little bit. Um, so even when West Ham were in the ascendancy in the second half, it wasn't like they were electric in attack, was it? It was probably a bit self-inflicted, as you'd mentioned. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, both both teams were definitely trying to play on the counter-attack. I think that was ultimately both teams' strength. And Forrest have tried to play this new build up possession football but in the end they'd look far better when Vlacodimos tried to find Elanga and a few times we had that opportunity so Forrest did look a lot better on the break I think West Ham certainly did as well they probably looked better on the counter in the first half we looked better in the second half so yeah both teams I think were sort of scared of the other, other side on the break and in the end that led to Forrest just sitting back and and conceding what in the end was the winner and 
completely got themselves to blame for it. And you know what? You're not the only person saying that because Steve Cooper was um, was he's always honest in his post-match interviews. But he sounded quite angry today. Let's hear from him. We haven't won it, um, and we've lost the game on our own actions. And um, and when you think about that, you can't look past the goals, um, which is an obvious thing to say. Um, but we've gifted them a first goal right at the start of the game uh, through a, a lack of concentration. Um, and then the second goal, we obviously do brilliant to go two one up, and we can see the corner within three or four seconds of kick off through not winning duels and concentration. We let people go and they, they equalise. And then the third goal, we have a throw in in the middle of the pitch, more or less. And three or four seconds later, it's another corner we have to defend. And again, people not marking who they should, and and he gets a free header in the goal. So um, so. Yeah, for all the things that went on in the game, and uh, with it being a roller coaster, whatever it may be described at, for me personally, we, we can't look past our um, poor moments around the goals. So he's not mincing his words there, is he, George? He's, um, he's obviously not happy, and it's quite rare to hear him express it in such strong yeah. terms, isn't it? And I think he's well within his right because he set Forrest up in what was the right way. I mean, some fans may say that they'd prefer Forrest to be a bit more threatening on the break and play with a bit more confidence and pace but in the end until 60 minutes Forest were equally as good as West Ham and that's not something you can have said from Forest away from home for the the entirety of last season and for a lot of the games this season so Forest came into the game it was a very even game I think we were 15th they were 13th so it's clearly two sides that are, are very equal and Cooper set Forest up in a, the perfect way and it was just you know players maybe losing their heads they were there's a few times, like I say, from like Cooper said, from throw-ins where we we just throw it straight to them. I remember, uh, I remember random bits of the game, but I remember Aina had he took about five seconds on a throw-in. We had a one-year three in the middle, and we had a pass back, but he played it in the middle straight to I think it was Ward Prowse who turned and Western our possession. So mm. it was just for us not sticking to the plan that was working so well up until the point that they decided to to not stick to it and obviously it's probably not a conscious decision it's the confidence that they lost after getting that relief that joy of going in ahead and then immediately being pegged back off their own back so it's not obviously a conscious thing the players have done but had the players have stuck to the plan I'm sure Forrest would have got something out of that game and maybe even would have been able to threaten and score again as opposed to sit back and concede numerous chances. Yeah. And, um, you know, that idea about sticking to the plan, that's something that we should, we'll be talking about again during the international break when we record our Forest Ramble uh, discussion podcast. Um, just uh, what I will just say is that we've had a few tweets from from listeners. So Joel said that they were at the game. It was better than the previous fixture, <laughs> which is oh, yeah. not difficult. But um, it's a whole thing about uh, about both taking and defending set pieces. Um, and, and, and as you mentioned earlier as well, Joel refers to that idea about, you know, Gibbs White, his having to play out of position at the moment for the sake of the team. And I don't think anyone's really um, uh, questioning his his kind of work rate and his, his application. But it's just that we're not getting the best out of him. Um, and, and Joel also said, but, but Cooper clearly knows this. Um, and we're looking like a mid-table side, which is a, a topic of conversation that we've had before on this very podcast. Um, Sid also came in and said that, you know, we're looking better than a year ago in almost every way. Um, so now it's about adding that level of savviness. So it's it's coming back to that idea that we've talked about before, about Forrest looking 
more like a mid-table team. I remember you saying it after the point away at Palace. It looked like a match between two mid-table teams. And that was very true of today's match, I thought. And and as you said, Forrest separated um, by just a point and one or two places in the table before today, which makes it feel a little bit more disappointing that that lack of desire or belief, and as, as you and Cooper have both um, called it, kind of crept in a little bit and and we don't want the away form to go like it did last season do we yeah and I'm very glad that that is the mood with Forest fans because you saw after the Luton game it was just volatile and it was get Cooper out get the players out everyone's atrocious and today Forest lost the game off their own back much like they did against Luton so I'm glad this sense of of I think that Villa win has done it you know Forest have not beaten Villa and came through this spell still without a win still on the longest streak without a win you know, it's amazing what wins can do and it brings so much confidence to the side and, and no one's forgot that win. People are still thinking about the Villa game and the fact that we deserve to beat one of the best teams in the league. So that's bought, I suppose, Forrest a bit of time in the fans' minds. But I, I'm glad that this realistic, positive approach is here because, yeah, Forrest are, are we seven points above the relegation zone? This time last season, we were about seven points adrift of 17th. So, yeah, so we're, we're on 13 points in 15th position. And yeah. Uh, yeah, this time last season, I think we're on five points. Uh, Luton are just below the line on six points. So, yes, a seven point cushion. Yeah. Um, just just to um, sort of skip ahead a little bit. So it obviously is the international break um, coming up. And, you know, after that, we've got Brighton, Everton, uh, Fulham away, Wolves away uh, and then Tottenham at home. Uh, and then the last match before Christmas will be born with a home. So there's some tough fixtures coming up, but I guess that's stating the obvious. In the Premier League, it is tough. What we want to do, I suppose, is keep the kind of the mid-table mentality because what the club need to be doing is showing signs of progress. And in fairness, for all the questions about how demanding uh, the owner is, in all seasons but one, Forest have progressed in since since the current ownership has taken over. So you'd hope that that would continue. And there there are all signs that despite a few hiccups in the road and, you know, the Liverpool match was a really stark, (laughs) stark reminder that that we're not there. Yeah. 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 Um, That, that, that Forest can um, hold their own a little bit. Um, Just to finish off as well, um, before we uh, sign off, just, um, Mr. Maranakis, he must really hate West Ham at the moment, yeah? <laughs> yeah, two losses. Uh, Cooper was there, wasn't he? I think he said against the, uh, for the Olympiacos game. So, I mean, they beat him uh, at their place, didn't they, Olympiacos? So it's not too sour, but yeah, I'm sure uh, I'm sure he's not pleased. But what I would say is about the previous point that Forrest, we can't forget who we've played in this run. We've played some of the, we've been to some of the hardest places in the Premier League. And we're still much better than we were last season. Last season, we were struggling to beat Leicester, who went down and things like that. So we can't forget who we've played. And you mentioned that run of fixtures. You know, I, I know you said it. there's no easy game in the Premier League. But, you know, some of those teams, I think Forrest should be aiming to get points off. And if they can take the confidence from the Villa game, take the confidence from scoring a couple of goals in this match. And I think it'll probably do Forrest good to some players to go away for the international break, get this out of their minds come back with the positivity from the last game and really knuckle down because that's the fixtures this is where the season starts really isn't it after the, after this break they've got that run of fixtures they're playing Saturday Saturday Tuesday Saturday and they've got to be aiming for I think 10 points before Christmas at a minimum 
Okay. Thank you very much to George. Thank you also to Will from the We Are West Ham podcast. And thank you to the 1865 podcast. My name's been Rich Ferraro. We'll be back during the international break with one of our Forest Ramble discussion podcasts. Keep an eye on our social media because we'll put, be putting out a couple of polls and, and asking you to get involved. But most of all, thank you, listener, for joining us today. And uh, take care of yourselves in the meantime. Podcast Network.